welcome to another episode of Are You Up Bats? And today I wanted to continue with self-image because we as girls can really battle with our self-image. And I wanted to speak specifically today about being socially awkward. You know, the moment we feel awkward, we have a self-image problem. We don't have to meet other people's standards. We don't have to be like others because we were made in the image of God. And in the Word, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God actually created us to rule over the earth. That He created a spirit of mother inside of us. Whether we have children or not, whether we are young or old, He created a spirit of mother inside of us to take care of other people, to nurture, to look after and to love. And in His Word He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and reign over the earth. And you know, if you look at it, we, we are all, we've all been created to be leaders of leaders and we all have different personalities, don't we? But it doesn't matter our personality. We are able to lead people and we are able to build teams because of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And I have two daughters. Um, you, if you've been watching Are You Up Babes, you would know um, Kayla and Sasha Lee. And the two of them could not be more different. They are completely opposite in personality. Um, I can remember a time where a family member that they don't know very well came to the church and they were getting married and they came to see Gavin because he was going to marry them. And we were upstairs um, having a worship practice and when we were finished, I came down to greet them. And then Kayla came down first and she stepped into the office and I introduced her, reminded her of who was who, and she greeted, came forward, chatted, and made a few jokes, had everyone laughing. And then she left and Sasha Lee came down and Sasha Lee stood at the door and I did the same. I introduced her and reminded her of who everyone was. And she quietly and politely greeted um, everyone from the door. And at that moment, I just giggled in my head because I thought, my goodness, they are so different. One is not better than the other. In their uniqueness, they are perfect. And that's how it is with God, that in our uniqueness, we are perfect to Him. And if I look at my girls, they couldn't be more different now. They um, have different personalities. They dress differently. They have different likes and dislikes. They have different tastes in food. Um, and yet when they were born and when they grew up, they wore the same clothes. You know how it is moms dress their little girls in the same clothes? It really was like that. They both did ballet. They both did piano. It's not like we gave one one set of um, of instructions and one set of way to do things. And then the other one, we did it completely differently. It wasn't like that. But you see, God has a plan for us. He has a unique plan for every single one of us. And his plan in our uniqueness is to fulfill his purpose. And what are self-image killers? What are the things that can kill, destroy, um, have devastation over our self-image? And one of them is rejection. And we've all been rejected. Rejection can really destroy our self-image. Another is when we isolate ourselves deliberately, we keep ourselves away from people. It destroys our self-image. Another one is when we are in secret relationships. We are in relationships that are in the dark. Another example would be online dating. Those are self-image um, killers. 
Another one would be a life that revolves around social media where you actually are not the person that, that is in social media. I mean, what you put on social media is really often not real life. And then another one would be comparing. Comparing will destroy your self-image. And the, the attitude of I don't fit in will destroy your self-image. And maybe you can relate well to one person. If you're sitting with one person, you can relate well to one person. But the moment you are sitting in a crowd, you literally fall apart. And, you know, that would be that you feel so small about yourself, that you feel that you get lost in a crowd, that you feel that you are insignificant in a crowd. And that is not true because even in a crowd, you are unique. You bring your uniqueness to a crowd, whether you are bubbly, whether you are quiet, whether you are funny, whether you are serious, um, you bring your uniqueness to a crowd. And the only time you get lost in a crowd is when you actually become like the crowd and lose who you are in Christ. Don't ever become like the crowd and lose who you are in Christ. You see, when you do that, you actually put the word aside and become like everyone else. And God doesn't want us to do that. And in the Bible, in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 13, there is a tragic story of a beautiful princess. The Bible tells us her father was a king. His name was King David. And the Bible tells us that she was very, very beautiful. Her father was very good looking. He married very beautiful women. And um, she wore, the Bible tells us, she wore the most beautiful gowns. And um, the Bible describes that, you know, her mother, just some interesting facts, her mother was also the daughter of a king. So she really came from royalty. But she had a stepbrother. His mother was a different woman. And he was so in love with Tamar that he was depressed. He actually was depressed every day. And the one day his friend, who also happened to be his cousin, looked at him and said, what's up with you? You are looking dejected every day. What is going on with you? How can you be like this when you're so sad, like life is so miserable when you are the son of a king? And Amnon explained to his cousin how much he was in love with Tamar. And his cousin gives him advice. Uh, and really, I want to say to you, be careful who you listen to advice from. Be careful. Because the Bible says he was a shrewd and crafty man. And he listens to the advice of his cousin and he goes home and he pretends he is sick. Really very sick. And King David hears about his son being sick and goes to see him. And when he gets there, he says to his dad, I'm, I'm so sick. Can you ask Tamar to come over and cook me a meal? and then um, feed it to me. And nothing sounds bizarre to King David, so he says, no problem. And he goes home and he sends Tamar to go to her brother. And the brother is sitting in the lounge, pretending to be sick, watching Tamar cook the food. And when the food is cooked, um, he says to her, feed it to me in my bedroom. Now, I just wanna pause there for a second. You know, girls, if I can just speak to, as a mother for a second, you know, and advise you, don't go into a man's bedroom. Um, things can happen that you didn't want to happen. Just don't 
don't go into a man's bedroom. I can remember as a little girl, my gran always saying, a girl doesn't go into a man's bedroom. And my mom would say the same thing. And really, if you just have that in your mind, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. And, you know, maybe as I say this, things have happened to you and mistakes have happened, wrong decisions or things as as bad as rape. I'm not condemning you. I'm not speaking to you from a judgmental um, perspective. And, you know, whatever's happened in your past, there is a loving God who wants to heal you. And when you draw close to him and you get to the cross, he will heal you, that you will not be wound stricken. But she she he then sends all the servants out he tells them to get out they leave and she goes to her bed to his bedroom to feed him and then he tells her i want to sleep with you and she says to him please don't do this please don't do this she actually says to him you know what we don't have the same mothers according to the law if you go to our father he will allow you to marry me please don't do this don't shame me like this And he overcomes her with his strength and he rapes her. And the Bible says she was so stricken with shame. She put ash on her head and she tore her gowns and she went home. And when she got home, her real brother, so her her brother from the same mother, said to her, Is it true what Amnon did to you? And then he says these words, Keep quiet for now. Since he's your brother, don't worry about it. So the Bible says she lived as a desolate woman. I want to just explain the wording desolate. Desolate means to live a bleak, empty life. Um, Feeling or showing unhappiness, loneliness or wretched. How devastating. This beautiful princess who in a moment her life changed because of what happened. And firstly, I want to say there was bad advice. Two things about bad advice. Careful who you listen to, because who you listen to can not only destroy your self-image, your image in Christ, they will destroy the rest of your life. So be careful who you listen to. But the second thing about bad advice is always seek healing. Always come to a place where you can be healed. Keep quiet and don't worry has never healed any wounds. You have to get to the cross of Jesus where the blood of Jesus can heal those wounds and make you whole. I remember when I got married, um, I got married to Gavin in 1994 in the January and he was running the two oceans, which I think happened in the April. So we were going to go to Cape Town in a crowd and he was going to run uh, the two oceans, but I got sick. It started with me having a pain in my neck and I literally couldn't move. It was like when you've slept badly and you can't move your neck. But it was so bad that it it persisted and it got worse that I got a swelling in my neck and I had to go and see a doctor. And the doctor had told me that I'd gotten a streptococcal virus and I had to have a lymph node in my neck removed. I had to go into um, hospital and the operation was going to take place over the time that Gavin would be running. And so I said to him, I'll be fine. I'm just having an op to remove it. Go. And so he flew to Cape Town to run the race and I was in hospital and I actually got worse. Um, Temperatures got worse. The pain was severe. I can remember one night being completely delirious. Um, My bed was not in the same place in the room and I just remember being really, really sick. But as 
I got better. The infection was out. The antibiotic began to work. Um, all I was left with was a, quite an ugly scar. It looked like a big, thick red worm. But as that scar healed, it got smaller and smaller. And today you can barely see it. And it's basically the same color as my skin. But you know, a scar reminds us of what we overcame. It, we never relive a, a, that moment. It's a scar. We, no, we don't have to relive those bad moments in our life. We just can look at the scar and realize that through the blood of Jesus, we have overcome so much. We must never allow a scar to define us. And if the cross doesn't define our lives, the devil will ensure that a situation, a crisis, a shameful moment will define the rest of our lives. I, want to, I just want to encourage you, don't crawl into a ball and die. Don't move away from people. Don't allow terrible things that should never have happened or really bad decisions on your part. Don't allow those things to define you. Get to the cross of Jesus Christ and allow him to define you. Allow him to restore your self-image through his blood back to him and allow him to restore you that the scar is simply a reminder of what you overcame. I really want you to think of a picture of the cross. It really points us to the two commandments that Jesus left us, to love God and to love people. And that's in order to love God and to love people, we cannot be socially awkward. We cannot be insecure. We cannot allow rejection to define us. We've all been rejected. But you know, we take that rejection to the cross. We take that awkwardness, that self-consciousness to the cross. We allow God to restore us back to his image so that we can be a mother of nations, a leader of leaders, someone who can love people, who can build and restore people and build up teams. That's what God created us to be. And as we close today, I'm going to pray with you. Maybe you've been battling with much pain, rejection, insecurity. You feel socially awkward. You feel like you don't fit in. It is a lie from the devil. You are significant. You are important. You are um, unique in Christ. And you are much needed on this earth. And so I want you to close your eyes with me. And I just want you to come to that place at the cross where you see Jesus who was beaten and punished and mocked and tortured. His face was brutally, brutally beaten so that he no longer looked like a man. And I want you to see how his self-image was completely destroyed. His identity actually was destroyed. So the exchange at the cross as we come to him and we surrender is that he, he would restore that rejection. He would restore all that hurt and pain and shame. That we would come to a place where we are restored back to our original identity in Christ. I want you to realize God loves you. He forgives you. The Bible says he remembers your sin no more. And he wants you to come to a place where the scar just is just a reminder of what you have overcome. And so, Father, we come to you, Lord, as, as daughters, as girls, as girls with so much 
in our lives where we've been filled with shame and insecurity and mess-ups and mistakes and maybe stuff has happened to us. People have given us bad advice. People have hurt us. People have told us to be quiet. People have um, told us not to say anything and the wounds have actually never gone away. And Father, we come to you today, a loving God, a loving Father. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to restore us. We ask you, Father, to fill those wounds and heal those wounds with your love and your kindness, with your forgiveness, that all shame is gone, that all pain is gone, and that our image is restored to the image of a daughter of the Most High King. We are your princesses. I thank you, Father, that through your blood, you, you place that crown back upon our heads, that we are leaders of leaders, that we are restorers. We are restorers through our words. We are restorers through our hands. We are restorers through our lives. And Father God, I pray that as we walk out this journey with you, that we would never put aside your word, but we would actually surrender our lives to you and allow you to continue daily to do the work of the cross in our lives, that daily we are being cleansed, that daily we are being more and more restored in your image. I thank you, Father, for your love, that we are not unloved, that we are not lonely, that we are not cast aside, but that we are precious in your sight and that we have been created to rule, to make a difference on this earth, that our lives are important and they matter to you. I pray, Father, really that when we speak, other people would feel special and important. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. The bread is not to the wise. The riches are not of the understanding. Or favor to the man of skill. Time and chance happen to the most. Time and chance happen to Deep the Moses. Time Check and chance. Yo, everything happens for a reason. From the start, from the beginning. And it's got given season. In case you wonder why you're breathing. Get connected to your maker like a hook. It's time for fishing for the truck. In case you're trapping, you gotta get the ride. You let it fit in for a minute, maybe two. Two is better than one, greater than God. There's none. I pray his view will change you to into a highly set. Tied up on the yuck, that's loud and good. I pray his grace will face your mood like a mirror on the wall. I'm in the bowls of cherry coat. Folding every aspect of your life. Quit holding on to beef, getting mixed up like shoe. And fight the good fight of faith. The light will get the darkness confused. Let's talk about it. Let's move close around it. From the top, lock up, pack and lock round about it. Life is in stages like their lights, camera action needs Focus on the future, give thanks for the memories Eternal over temporaries, that is how my choice is Matthew 6 verse 25, I got it like my groceries Stack to the Lord, he's been sticking to his promises Addicted to his love and his joy is where my flourish is Got more chemistry than all the drugs in the pharmacies When the going gets tough, he shows up like robberies Saving everybody, the scene is to fly like Hercules Pursue that wisdom, keep it 100 like a century uh -huh. Let it change, you produce something like a factory Ain't nothing sweeter than the word of God, my nectarine oh, The constitution of the kingdom of God No debauchery, Ephesians 5 verse 18 for your pantry That's your heart, pack it like this went free Man, do not leave on bread alone Come family with a peck of ring, peck of ring The race is not to the strong The battle is not to the strong The bread is not to the strong 